This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Uncertainty is one of the most challenging psychological experiences to go through. It's a natural human reaction to try to feel certain about things in order for us to feel more in control. Valeria Telles interviews Sharon Draper, a psychologist, relationship expert for eHarmony Australia, writer, and speaker. Sharon Draper is a psychologist in Sydney, Australia. She loves variety, so integrates her work with seeing clients online working with people who have a psychological injury on workers' compensation claims, creating online programs, doing media work, and working with eHarmony as their relationship expert in Australia. Sharon's approach is holistic and person-centered, and she is informed by existentialism, neuroscience, polyvagal theory, and attachment science. She believes if we can be kinder to ourselves and understand that our emotions are necessary and provide insight into our deepest values— we can live purposeful and meaningful lives. Sharon is also a regular contributor to newspaper articles, Sydney Morning Herald, radio, ABC, and TV, Channel 7 Sunrise. Meet Sharon at sharondraper.com.au. Here's the interview with Sharon Draper. In your own words, who am I speaking with today? (laughs) My name is Sharon Draper. I'm a psychologist born and trained in South Africa and now reside in Sydney, Australia. I've been practicing as a psychologist for 12 years now. um, And in my work, I'm really interested in attachment science and polyvagal theory, which is the understanding of the nervous system. I'm also a huge music and animal lover. What is life to you? I see life as an opportunity to learn about ourselves and others. I believe if we can accept that we will always be learning throughout our life, then we'll be able to flourish as humans. I also see life as uh, many moments that can inspire awe. And if we can just quieten our thoughts and allow ourselves to receive through our senses, which allows us to be really present in the moment, I really believe that magic can happen. Just noticing things around you, you know, there's so much beauty just that surrounds us. So like the sunlit glimmers of the ocean waves or the the leaves flickering in the afternoon sun, just natural beauty all around us. And I think... 
um, if we can bring our awareness to our surroundings, then it reminds us of how connected we all are uh, to other people, to animals, to nature. And I think, I really think that's what life is all about, is acknowledging and noticing how connected we all really are. What is the purpose of the human experience? I believe our purpose is to always be open to learning. Um, I, I see everything as being an opportunity to learn. You know, even the most difficult experiences, um, as, as difficult as they are or can be, they provide opportunities for us to really grow and, and learn about ourselves and learn about others. I think the purpose of being human is just knowing that we all have a need to connect with others so that we feel like we belong. Um, and I see belonging is is something that's very important. It's a very important part of, of being human. And I think one of our greatest life lessons is learning to accept and let go so that we learn to feel pain, but not suffer from it. You know, we can't prevent the experience of pain, but we can choose as to how long we're going to suffer with it. So I really believe that we usually cause our own prolonged suffering by overanalyzing our experiences and ruminating on past events. Um, and this just keeps us stuck in an anxious cycle and, and really just perpetuates our pain. It's important to to be aware that experiencing pain means that we're, we are alive. It isn't a bad thing to feel pain. It's suffering that causes our own demise. At this time, what is the purpose of your life? I find, personally, I find a lot of purpose in helping others through my work. I'm always looking for ways to reach each individual person that I meet in my practice. Um, everyone has a unique story and unique needs, and I really, really enjoy uncovering what these are. I also absolutely love experiences in nature, so I try to have these experiences as often as I can because they, they really help me to feel grounded and connected to the earth and feel like I belong to something bigger. I especially love having playful experiences with animals, and I've got two cats that I um, often interact with, and it's really just great learning from cats, you know, learning how to be present <laughs> through, through animals. Um, it's, a, it's a lovely, lovely laugh lesson. And then, and then for me as well, I, I really find purpose in experiencing, like I've mentioned before, moments of awe, which can be easily found in nature. So I try to have uh, nature-fueled experiences as often as I can. What are some of the greatest misconceptions about happiness, in your opinion? I think one of the greatest misconceptions about happiness is that it, it's an end and permanent result that we strive for. Th this really isn't actually true. Um, happy, happiness is in moments. It, it comes and goes. And I find we are so hard on ourselves when we notice our unhappiness. Um, which can often come from conditioning from childhood. You know, a lot of us have been conditioned to believe that we need to just feel happy. You know, anything other than happiness is not accepted. So I feel like it's important to be aware that there could be this conditioning from childhood um, that influences us as adults. We've just been taught to push, push other emotions aside and constantly search for this elusive 
consistent feeling of happiness, which really just doesn't exist. And unfortunately, the more we search for this, the less accepting we are of our other natural emotions. So we end up using confirmation bias and perceive everyone else as happier than us. And we end up shaming ourselves for feeling sad, which just perpetuates more sadness. So I think if we can just realize that all emotions are natural and all emotions need to be welcomed, we'll be less hard on ourselves when we do feel anything other than happiness. And really just to understand that, like I said before, happiness is in moments and it comes and goes. So um, that is what it is to be human. And so I hope we can all just have a little bit more compassion for ourselves when we go through the the rainbow of feelings um, each day. What is healing to you? To me, healing is an ongoing, moving process that never really ends. It's it's not like you overcome one of your triggers and then never feel that vulnerability to it again. Of course, the goal is to work through triggers so they have less control over us um, and so that we don't collapse in our survival states every time we feel triggered. But I find, again, people are so hard on themselves because they think healing is linear. And this just simply isn't true. So healing is all about moving. It isn't rigid. It isn't linear. Healing is coming unstuck and moving through the motions. Um, and I think if we can recognize that, we can, again, be more open to the, the movement of healing and know that if we feel something again that maybe felt like a past or reminds us of a past pain or wound, that that's a normal response to something that was quite triggering for us previously. You know, we are human. So um, it's not about black and white thinking or like all or nothing. You know, healing is just a, it's a process that, um, that happens and can happen all the time. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Well, well, I've been reading a lot of books lately from authors who survived the concentration camps and their stories are just absolutely heartbreaking. But it, it's just incredible that they have proved that it is possible to let hope carry us out of the darkest of hours. And they've also proven that that freedom is being able to choose how we want to respond to something. So I'm not sure if you're aware of um, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, but oh, what an incredible book. And there are many other books I've been reading uh, lately. I've been reading uh, Dr. Edith Eager's book, uh, The Choice. And it's just absolutely incredible what they have gone through and how they've overcome all the these challenges that, that were sort of put in front of them. And, you know, the, I love the quotes that Viktor Frankl has as between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response and in our response lies our freedom. So that's what freedom is to me. Um, in order to have freedom, uh, I believe that we need to learn how to forgive as well. And, you know, not not in that sort of way of thinking where some people think forgiveness is accepting um, bad behavior that has been done to you. And, and that's not what I'm saying at all. It's not to condone bad behavior, but it's to be able to stop identifying with what has happened to us, since this has the ability to really stay in our life and perpetuate suffering. 
So, um, yeah, Dr. Edith Eager, she says, forgiveness isn't something we do for the person who's hurt us. It's something we do for ourselves because then we are able to release ourselves from the past and release ourselves from being a victim to what happened to us. And then we don't have to continue to carry this burden. Um, so I think that's such such an important message. And that's what um, I believe freedom is about. At this time, what is the world's greatest need? And also, do you have a vision for a new reality? Uh, I believe... I believe humans need to feel that they belong. They need to feel connected to themselves, empathically connect to others, and also connect to the earth. And I really believe that this is what the world needs right now. We need to realize that we're all in this together and stop fighting one another and be a team. <laughs> be We're all part of this earth and... The only way we can overcome the atrocities that are occurring around the world is by recognizing this, that we all belong to each other and we are all part of each other. And so therefore we need to work with each other. What is your understanding and idea of love? I believe love is trying to understand the other's perspective, even if it's extremely difficult to do so. I've got an amazing wise friend who recently reminded me that uh, love and life are imperfect. And um, it's been quite a helpful um, statement that I've been carrying close to my heart, actually. Um, and it's it's important that we do keep that in mind because I think we all hold on to this idea that love has this perfectionistic quality. and um, And it really doesn't. Um, it's it's messy and mistakes are made and we miss a tune and there are ruptures in our love experiences. Um, and it's not so much about not having those difficult and challenging experiences. It's It's about how do we overcome them? How do we repair those ruptures in our relationships? So I think... Love is knowing that people make mistakes. And also I think it's it's about being able to speak your truth and be authentic in understanding yourself and what your needs are so that you can explain and express yourself to someone else. The other thing I think that's an important part of love is, which is very difficult, of course, um, but it's trying not to be afraid of rejection. And what I mean by that is just not avoiding difficult conversations out of fear of rejection. I think it's natural, you know, for us to feel rejection or fear rejection because, you know, our survival depends on us being part of something. So any form of rejection can be sort of really threatening our survival. I, I meet so many people who limit themselves to avoid rejection. So, but then they're not really living, you know. So I think it's so important that we are able to try and tolerate a little bit of that potential distress of feeling rejected, but um, in order for ourselves to really, or for our voice to really be heard. I think that's, um, that's, that's my understanding of, of what love is. What is inner peace to you? 
To me, inner peace means we are able to access a state of calm. It means we're able to see things in a, a non-judgmental way, being discerning in our observations, practicing acceptance, and seeing life through a compassionate lens. So that's a self-compassionate lens as well as a compassionate lens for um, viewing others. So I feel like if we're able to understand that by us having or allowing ourselves to experience a sense of calm and, and learning how to regulate our nervous system so that we can get into that state of calm, we'll be able to see things in a, in a lot clearer way uh, compared to if we're looking at things from an anxious perspective or a, d a depressed, shut-down perspective. So I really believe that's what inner peace is. It's, it's being able to allow ourselves, give ourselves permission to try and, and feel calm in ourselves so that we're able to, like I said before, use discernment to um, understand what we're going through and what others are going through. How do you define success? What is to be successful to you? To me, success is being able to live a life that is congruent with your values. So whatever that looks like, just trying to sift through all the shoulds that we tell ourselves, which actually aren't stemming from our authentic selves. These shoulds come from authority in our childhoods, uh, societal pressures, other people's insecurities. That's what the shoulds, or that's where the shoulds come from. So I feel like if we can quieten down the part of our voice that keeps telling us we should be doing something and actively practice a life that has personal meaning that's specific to ourselves, then we'll live a life that provides value to ourselves and then we'll be able to provide value to others as well. So to me, that's what living a successful life is. It's really understanding who you are as a person, knowing what your needs are, what your values are, and making sure your life matches those values and needs um, and recognizing that it is up to us to make this life that we want. Of course, things don't always go according to plan and, you know, we can't foresee challenges in the future. Um, but worrying about them just keeps us staying stagnant. So I just think all we really can do is learn more about ourselves, be more compassionate with ourselves so that we're able to overcome any challenges that or obstacles that appear to be blocking our, our path. Um, and then also being open to the possibility that maybe the obstacle is something that, um, you know, could help us see things in a different way. I just feel that that, that is what success is, is being able to be open, to, to be fluid, um, to, to have movements um, and not focus so much on the end result or the end goal. It's more about noticing each day, noticing the process and how that can impact us and how we can grow from the process. So I think that if, if we have that ability to be able to live that life that's, that matches our values, I just really believe that that is what success is. Well, that's what it is to me, at least. So why did you choose to do what you do? I actually blame my family. <laughs> no, I, I always joke that my childhood experiences really set the stage for me to become a psychologist. My older sister used to always ask for my input on her relationships and 
and I used to um, help my parents navigate potentially confronting conversations when I was younger. Yeah, I always joke that I blame my, my family for influencing me into becoming a psychologist. While I was studying at school, I actually really wanted to study the stars. <laughs> I just have always been fascinated with them. Um, and then the other sort of interest was chasing tropical cyclones. I used to watch a program where people did that. It was just thrilling, terrifying, but thrilling. Um, and then I've also always wanted to work with animals. The first two options weren't really viable. And then... Um, with regards to animals, uh, I knew I could never become a vet. I just would never be able to like operate on animals. <laughs> so um, human behavior was really the next on my list of interests. And I just ran with it. I, I just straight after school, I started studying psychology. And um, and I really feel like it's, I'm, I'm quite lucky that, you know, that first choice was a really good match for me. Because um, I really, really enjoy what I do. And I find so so much meaning in it. I just feel so honored to be able to work with people when they're feeling so vulnerable. It can be such a scary place to be in. And I find really meaning in creating a safe space for them to learn how to nurture themselves uh, back to a flourishing life. What was the inspiration, intention and purpose of writing your book? Well, I wrote Stuck in the Mud and Sometimes It Rains, which are two children's books which focus on building resilience. Um, I, I wrote them because I reflected on my own childhood. I was a very anxious child and I believe it, it would have been so helpful to have had practical to, tools to help me manage this at the time. So when I became a psychologist, I decided to create these books for children who are struggling with anxiety. So that's what Stuck in the Mud is about. And then those who are struggling with sadness and loss. And that's what um, sometimes it rains really focuses on. So um, they're very practical books to help children practice the techniques so that they are prepared for when they actually need them. It was a really um, enjoyable process coming up with the characters. And the, the main character or the protagonist is called Lilu, and uh, she's actually my my cat, my, well, my firstborn cat. I've got two. <laughs> so um, that's where I got my inspiration for the character, which uh, I think is quite sweet. So it's, it's especially special to me by having my, my cat involved. I have a few people asking me if I'm going to make more books for my other cat to be involved in, but I don't know if that's on the cards. Yeah, but the, it was a really great process and I've had some good feedback from it, which I'm I'm just thrilled about, you know, hearing how some, you know, people's children are just using them. And even older adults have said that they've found it quite helpful. So it's just really lovely to hear, even just if one person enjoyed it, I think it's it's really worth doing. So yeah, that's what my books were about or are about. Talk to me for a moment about the services you offer. Well, I'm a psychologist and I see clients via my online private practice. I've worked in a lot of different psychology clinics, but um, for the last sort of three or four years, I've been just on my own in my own private practice. And then since COVID, I've been online, so which is quite nice, though, because I feel like I can provide a service for people sort of all over the world, even, you know, I've got a few people that are in other countries, which I just think it's wonderful to be able to have that option. So I work with people who are struggling to find meaning in their lives. I aim to help clients gain insight into why they might think, feel, and behave a certain way. I feel like if they can gain insight and understanding, 
It helps them to make more sense of where they're at right now. And then with some self-compassion, they can consciously implement changes that are um, helpful for themselves. So I always like the sort of model of like insight, gaining insight, and then implement. So then integrate strategies to help you make the changes that you want. And when I work with people, I, I believe everything is about relationships. So I draw my knowledge from attachment science, polyvagal theory, and what this looks like in practice is that I, I believe it's imperative that we understand our attachment style, understand, you know, the conditioning from our childhood, um, the p possible emotional neglect that we received or didn't, you know, what we didn't receive in childhood, um, and, and then understanding our nervous system as well. Um, because this can help us understand why we would behave in certain ways. Um, and it, like I said before, it makes sense then. Um, so it's not like, why am I feeling this way? Or why do I keep doing the same pattern? If you can understand what the core need is underneath or the reasons for it, then you can bring consciousness, consciousness to it and then be able to make, like I said, conscious change. In, in my work, I, I absolutely love variety. So I integrate my business with seeing clients. I also work with workers' compensation claims in Australia. And then um, I've also, I'm busy creating online programs that, um, you know, will be easily accessible for people who might not be ready for therapy yet. And then my children's books. And then I also do media work. And I work with eHarmony um, as the Australian relationship experts. So um, I just quite like having a lot of different things. You know, it really makes it so interesting. Just the work is, um, you can do so much with psychology. <laughs> Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? I have a website. It's sharondraper.com.au. And then I've also got an Instagram account, which is Sharon Draper Psychologist. We are almost at the end of our conversation and I have two final questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I would learn to play the piano again if, if I had um, a short time left on this earth. I really would want to do that again. I feel like I used to play the piano And it's something that, um, it's a long story around it, but I kind of gave it up and it was something I, I really regret doing that. So I would definitely make more of an effort to, to play again. And I actually would like to do that anyway. <laughs> I think it's really important for me uh, personally. Um, and then the other thing I would do is, is make more time for the people I love, even though I'm so aware of balance, balancing work and personal life, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in stuff and not always see the people as regularly as you'd like. So I think I would definitely change that focus and just focus on spending quality time with the people that I really care about. Um, and then the last thing I would definitely do is watch more sunrises and more sunsets. What are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I believe that life is a beautiful, awe-inspiring place of um, connecting, learning, and experiencing love. It's an amazing experience, I think, if you're willing to look at it in that lens or through that lens. And 
it's not perfect. Um, there are lots of struggles along the way that, that everyone goes through. But I really do believe life, uh, you know, there's more good than bad. And there's more hope than despair. And if we stick together and help each other, we can overcome all of the things, all of the obstacles that are in front of us. So I just see life as something that is a beautiful experience um, that I really try not to take for granted. Thank you so much for your presence, for sharing your wisdom and doing what you do. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Sharon Draper and her work, please visit SharonDraper.com.au. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.